right, everyone. Hello, hello, hello. I am so excited. This is the fourth season for our Handmade Business Diary podcast. We're so excited um, that you are here and you're with us. And this season is really special. We are talking about building the maker and building the business. So we're talking about building up the maker, building up the business. I am co-founder, Sienna Mae Stubblefield. There's also Mina Mantor. There's John D. Harris and Charlene Dunbar. And we're always excited to share resources with you on the podcast. So for today, we have a really special treat. I'm really excited to introduce someone who I know, and uh, there was no one else we could call but her. And so the topic for today is call it a comeback. So we're going to call it a comeback. We're talking about overcoming um, just setbacks in your business, in your personal life. As makers, there are challenges we face. And sometimes the challenge you face in your business and the challenges you face as a maker, sometimes it's the same because you are the face of the business. And so we have a really special guest to talk about, call it a comeback, how to overcome setbacks as a maker in your business. All right. So this guest is really special to me. I've known her for a long time. Um, she, um, myself, Charlene Dunbar and Jandi um, Harris, one of the other co-founders who actually went to school together in Liberia. So the illustrious JJ Roberts. So we've known each other for a very long time. Um, and um, she's also always been a supporter of Craft Savvy Market, our business. We did our resilient conference a few years ago and she came as a speaker and dropped lots of gems. So every time we need someone to give us some gems, some knowledge, we know to go to Kiara. So I'm really excited. We're going to give her a warm welcome to her because she's always, she's always got great things happening in her life. And she is such an influencer. She's great on pivoting, making things happen, a mover and a shaker in Atlanta. So we're really blessed to hear her voice. So I just want to introduce to you, Kiata Mincy Parker. So I'm going to let her tell a little bit more about herself, about her business, and then we'll kick it off. So I'm going to pass the mic to you, Kiata. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's crazy. Like I've known y'all pretty much all my life. Like yes. we grew up together. <laughs> Our parents were friends. Yes. Charlene was my first best friend. Like I'm telling Aww. you, I've we've known each other forever. Yes. Your um your aunt is my godmother. Um Vera. Oh, yeah. Yes, like we've known yeah. each other forever. No, that's true. There, there are a lot of there are a lot of family connections, a lot of country connections. And yes. you know, for you guys out there, if you're Liberian, we are all connected. <laughs> so yes. we're looking at as one big family of, of people. So it's it's great connections. But Kiara, I'll let you share more about yourself. Awesome. Thank you. First of all, thank y'all so much for having me. I love what y'all are doing. I, I just, I secretly stalk y'all too. So <laughs> it's definitely mutual. But um, for those who don't know, my name is Kiata Mency Parker. I'm the executive director of A Sip of Paradise Garden, as well as the chief experience officer for Pictures and Cocktails, LLC. Um, it's so funny when people always ask me, so, well, what do you do? This, the simplest part of everything is that I'm really a bartender, but on a bigger scale, I'm a creator who have kind of airmarked my career from being a bartender into a thousand different things because, you know, we're creative. Yeah. And I just have just been really fortunate to have been put in circles and gain education and just be in the right place in the right time and just listened and just pivoted like you said yeah. from so many situations but 
I've been a bartender for 21 years. Um, wow. my daughter James, yeah, my daughter James just turned 21. Wow. And um, when I came off maternity leave, because I was a um, server, <laughs> when I came off maternity leave, my GM was like, you know what you should do? You should be a bartender. You can have a sex <laughs> schedule. You can be home at night and spend time oh. with the baby, work mm-hmm. nine to five, work the morning shift, mm-hmm. and map the whole thing out. And that's really where that part of my life started. But I've always been a person of service. My parents mm-hmm. have always been people of service. My father was a philanthropist. He yeah. served community in Liberia. Mm-hmm. He was also a business owner. So I just saw myself being aligned in those steps and followed. But at the base of it, I'm a bartender. I make great <laughs> drinks, really, for myself, and I hope others enjoy them. And I like to have that time and yeah, you know, silly and just you know, yeah. show my yeah. culture. Yeah, yeah. I think what I really like about Ikiata, I like the fact that I mean, and to me, you're not just a bartender, but we'll just leave it right there. Um, I, what I, I love about you is that as a maker, there's just different pathways to get to where you need to. You don't necessarily have to go to school or feel like you have to do one thing that like you pivoted from from um just upon the recommendation. You had your child, you had to make some adjustments to your life and you did. And I think I appreciate that about you because I think sometimes we think there's one pathway to go. Maybe you see someone taking a path and it's like, oh, I don't, you may disqualify yourself because you don't have what they have, but that is what makes being an entrepreneur is so beautiful that there isn't one path to get there. That is really about, you know, having the willingness to pivot, to understand, okay, I need to make some changes. It's going to be scary, but I'm going to have to do what I have to do. And just as opportunities come your way to just run with it and not necessarily say, oh, is this for me? Maybe not. It's like, you know what? This is a door that's open for me. I'm walking through it. So I, I appreciate that about you, that you really embody the fact that there's not one way to get to where you need to get there, you know, where you need to get. So I like, I love, I love that about you. So thank you for opening some of us up who might be like, I don't know, you know, that you you give us permission to move forward. So I appreciate that. So I want us to get into just challenges and, you know, we can get as personal as you're comfortable with, but I wanted you to just share with the audience about just some challenges you faced that almost took you out and you really had to come back stronger. And just, if you'll just share that with us and maybe kind of what, what you were able to do to move forward. So some of the challenges I've kind of came across, um, there've been multiple challenges. Um, I think the most recent and the most significant one was COVID. So the current state that I'm in right now with my business, I was a finalist for a major cocktail competition, a global cocktail competition called um, Bombay Sapphire's Most Imaginative Bartender. And that competition, it really took a year for the whole thing. And um, just between the U.S. and Canada, 2,000 applicants, I made it to top 100. And then I made it to the top 12. And it was so funny. You know, you never think of all the stuff that you gain off of one drink. And wow. when I was going, when I made the finals, I know um, I had told my mother, because she was helping me pack, we had to sp- spend a week in London because that's where Bombay Sapphire's distillery is. Mm-hmm. So we're spending a week in London. And I was so scared because I hadn't been to London since we were um, leaving Liberia during the oh, last yeah. war. Oh yeah, yeah. So it was. I was so. I was. I was rattled. I didn't want to go. I did. I just. I yeah. didn't want to go. 
Yeah. And my mother, you know, I'm at my mom's house. She's like, oh, you need to pack this and you can take my boots and you can like, she give me stuff to take. And I'm like, mom, I'm just gone for a week. She was like, you need to look like, you know, you need to look like you're somebody. Mom trying to get you all dressed up. You know how my mom is. <laughs> She's so fancy. She tells me, um, I don't have any fashion style. She tells me that all the time. But anyway, so I'm talking to her and my mother was like, do you know how blessed you are? The fact that you came up with one drink, one drink wow. got you all of this on a platform. People will know who you are off of one drink, something you wow. do all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So I had to push through something like that. Yeah. And a lot of times you have to step away from yourself and listen to people around you mm -hmm. to kind of push you forward yeah. because I didn't want to go. I, I was like, no, but that whole competition changed my entire life. Wow. So competition was there. And it's funny because, you know, you hear people say something like, be your authentic self or tell your story the way you know how mm -hmm. all the time. And for so long, I thought that was um, a buzzword or something that people would just say just to say to sound mm -hmm. smart or important. Yeah. But <laughs> the cocktail I came up with for the competition was called Eve's Pot Liquor. It's a green apple and collard green cocktail. Mm -hmm. And the cocktail told the story, the love story of my parents, my mom and my dad. My mother's American and my father's Liberian. Yeah. And both of those ingredients grow in Liberia as well in America. They're just yeah. applied and eaten in different ways. Yeah. So the creative part was to create the marriage for this perfect cocktail. And the cocktail was green, which is my favorite color. Like I, I told this whole story, wow. my whole story. Well, I have pictures of mommy and daddy, like yeah. from the wedding, the whole thing. Yeah. You know, all this together yeah. for people yeah. to be there with me. Because, yeah. you know, as creatives, we're storytellers. Yes. So, you, you know, so I was able to do that. And I got as far as I did. I wow. didn't win the top prize, but I came in second. Wow. And I just knew when I came home, I was like, okay, this competition was great. Wow. I was, you know, one of five women, the only black woman wow. in this whole thing. I knew coming back, I was going to get offered a job with Bombay Sapphire. I wasn't going to have to be shaking drinks behind the bar anymore. No more late, crazy hours. I just knew. So this was February of 2020. I came home. I already put the plan together for yeah. the garden, a sip of paradise, because that was mm -hmm. part of the competition to mm -hmm. to put your creative outlet um, out outside of bartending into a whole package. And for me, it's my culture as a Liberian woman and gardening. It's something I did with my grandmother and Titi in Liberia, yeah. Yeah. something I did with my grandmother Ruth here in America. Yeah. yeah. So. Child, I came home. I was like, okay, good. Yes, wonderful. Large. Everybody got everybody was furloughed, COVID shut down, city shut down, restaurants shut down. Your whole life you've been working this one job and you like what happens now? I mean, it's like everybody like, what is going on? What do you mean we can't go here? I mean, school system closing, like how is the school system closing? What is going on here? What's happening? The children at home looking at you, you looking at children at like crazy yeah watching the news it, everything was going crazy yeah. and then um your president talking about giving people chloroquine no. <laughs> fighting over over tissue and papers <laughs> people get people getting angry like is it is it really that deep seriously so it was crazy yeah 
So, you know, I'm sitting on the couch because I don't have a job to go to. My husband, who had just gotten married the year before, um, we've known each other since we were 15, and we were recently reconnected, um, and he had recently left his job, and he was going to pursue a career as an artist. Yeah. Like, so he was painting, so he was yeah. doing this, and I'm sitting here like, okay, all of us can't be sitting at home looking at each other. <laughs> crazy. We're all creatives, but wait a minute. <laughs> you can't think of anything to do. We're all creative sitting in the house, just looking at each other. Yeah. But after about two weeks of sitting in there and just trying to figure out what you're going to do, I started getting phone calls from different bartenders like, hey, are you are you still going to do that garden? Hey, oh. if I have to sit at home and look at the TV, I'm going to I'm going to hurt. Somebody. Yeah. Hey, yeah. if yeah. I don't go somewhere, I will kill myself. Like these are all people were texting me. Yeah. So I had originally planned to put the garden idea on hold until I could get some funding, but, mm -hmm. you know, COVID happened and every, nobody had anywhere to go. So yeah. I called all these bartenders up. We came together, we got the land together. We wow. cleaned up the lot. We used all the material that was there, you know, like bricks, cinder blocks to yeah. create beds, yeah. you know, different brands, liquor brands and stuff, because people have budgets. They couldn't spend, they would show up with food. Like, Hey, I want lunch. Like it turned into a whole thing. Wow. And it brought an entire community together. Just one yeah. idea wow. playing in the dirt with my friends turned into this. Yeah. But through that whole time, the whole thing turned into a safe space for everybody. It was where everybody, because so just picture this everybody's furloughed. President Trump is in office. In May, George Floyd died. People are yeah. protesting. Yeah. People are fighting in the streets. Everything's happening. And People had nowhere to go. So people, so the people who had the loudest voices were out there, but yeah. the garden turned into a space where people could meet up and regroup and think yeah. or for people to get together and strategize how to go and plan to go march. Yeah. Like it, it, became this yeah. Haven. it was a gathering, a haven. Mm -hmm. Yes. It was a safe space and mm -hmm. it just evolved from there. Wow. And it was one of those things that, you know, we weren't sure what was happening with food and stuff. Yeah. I know how to fish. I know how to grow. You know, my husband knows how to hunt. So it was an ability. It was the, it was the, it was like we were able to show people like, hey, I don't know what's happening with these grocery yeah. stores, but yeah. we can grow some food here at the very yeah. least. Yeah. You can eat yeah. the vegetables. Yeah. You know, and it just, it turned into a valuable resource. And then we started, I started to hear the voices of the people that were there, the bartenders that were there, like, you know, I really wish I could do more yoga or I really wish I could do this. I really wish I could do this. So I started implementing programs mm -hmm. to help them so they could have these things. As people of service, we sustain so many people, but nobody sustains us. Mm -hmm. It is a lot yeah. cheaper to get a bottle and a blunt than to see a therapist for your problems. Wow. No, that right. that, that is deep. That's deep. Right. <laughs> um, that's really deep. It's, it's I guess... It's cheaper and sometimes easier, easy access, you know, while understanding there are other ways to release that. And, mm -hmm. and honestly, I, I think I felt like that year people really started to talk about mental health. It was almost like yes. something that was just swept away, almost like yes. you, when you think of someone who has mental health challenges, you don't think of yourself and your friends who are maybe moms, you know, and married and things like that. You think of somebody who got 
having having problems and situations. It's like, no, we all have mental, we all, have, we are all in this stressful COVID situation and we all have mental challenges and we right. and carrying them without addressing it is a serious problem, you know. It those is. conversations come out. And especially in our community, um, we don't really talk about these things. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. you know, don't tell people your business. Yeah. Oh, they're oh, they're they're not crazy. They're they're just yeah. touch, just go to yeah. church and pray about it. You know, yeah. and people who just not giving it the serious seriousness yeah. that it needed until you start yeah. seeing people come apart at the seams. Like you will yeah. know, watching people come apart at the seams. Yeah. Man, yeah. You, you, yeah. you have to address it. Yeah, but I think COVID was the biggest challenge that I felt, and I I felt the way I was able to pivot from that was to really listen to what my friends, these bartenders, needed and wanted. Mm -hmm. and I had time. I didn't have a job. <laughs> Let me see if I can fix this. Let me see if I can do this. Let me ask, yeah. and I can. You can always ask people to help you, and they can either help you or they can't. It's, it's just no, that simple. That's Nobody's true. Nobody's gonna, gonna hurt you. Just, yeah. Can you help with this? No. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. There's no no scratch off your back. Right. <laughs> it's like you get there are two options. You can say yes or no and keep it moving. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's good, Kiana. That's good. I think um I think for a lot of us, COVID just opened our eyes to so many things because like you said, it came out of nowhere. It revealed for a lot of us, even as creative. I think sometimes you think, Oh, I'm creative, this is my outlet and that doesn't mean that you don't have your own mental health challenges, you know? And I think sometimes too in the Liberian culture, people carry stuff like you say, well, I'm talking about it. People sweep it under the rug or it's almost like a badge of honor that I'm going to take care of this myself. And it is it's really mm -hmm. not a badge of honor. You need to build community with other people. You need yes. to go see a therapist. You need to talk to people. That And that those are how you deal with it, not by carrying it. As if, you know, I'm I'm getting a, re a reward for this. It's like, no, you're actually putting yourself in more harm or realizing it, you know. I agree. And it's the whole, the whole idea of community is priceless. In mm -hmm. fact, so I'm also in a Fufu and Soup group chat with Charlene and with Jande. And uh -huh. one thing Jande was doing, Jande was, we were all checking on each other because yeah. again, these women were in different states like Buleta was stuck in Dubai like it was yeah. so much happening yeah Shande made it a point to set up meetings for us to yeah. see each other's faces and check on each other yeah she, we played these games and it got really it got really vulnerable but it was a safe space like I remember one of the questions was like how do you handle failure and one of the women, I'm not going to say who she is, but mm -hmm. she, this woman's a perfect patty. She was like, I cannot fail. She was just going through this thing. <laughs> she was talking about how perfect this she, wow. this has to be and stuff. And I'm sitting yeah. here like thriving failure. Because if I fail one time, I just need one time to be like, you know what? That didn't work. We're going to do something else. <laughs> I know. That kind of crashed and burned. But you know what? I'm okay. I'm going to dust yeah. myself up and get up and keep going. Yeah. yeah. But it was you know, it was, it was really, really beautiful. And I mean, yeah. we really, really checked on each other. Yeah. And it's about community. Like I said, community can look in different kinds of ways. And I think yeah. that's the beauty of having community. Your community can fit you. It doesn't have to match anything, but you and how it yeah. serves you. Yeah. That's so good. And I think too, community, like you say, doesn't have to look the same way for everyone. It doesn't necessarily have to be checking in, could be whenever you can. It doesn't have to be set, you know what I mean? But the mm -hmm. fact that you can just come and breathe together and say, you okay? You all right? Everything's going good? How you mm -hmm. doing? So now, even if you feel like talking, 
it's just nice to be with other people together in a same space, you know? So yeah, that community, that community is good. That's so good, Kiara. Um, Kiara, what would you say um, are some, I mean, I guess th this is one question that we, we share, but what are events in your life that may have prepared you to navigate challenges? I mean, do you, do you feel like events can prepare you or do you feel like, yeah, it does or no, not really. I mean, any kind of event that may have prepared you knowingly or unknowingly to navigate different challenges you face. I absolutely believe that. I believe we learn from experiences. I think yeah. one of the most significant, significant things that happened in my life that has forced me to be tough and to know that I can make it to the other side was surviving Liberia. Yeah. Us having to leave the country yeah. like that. That's yes. crazy. Not yeah. once. Some people had to do it several times. I know yeah. we did it at least three times. Yeah. But the last time was I was old enough to actually be aware of what was happening. Like yeah. to wake up and your mom waking you up and like yeah. put these small things in the bag. We'll be back in a few yeah. months. Yeah. The nurse packing, you know, stuff and me trying to write letter to school to make sure to yeah. tell my teacher I would be back. I'm sorry. Yeah. We, we yeah. Go to America. Yeah. You know, and then getting to the airport and just seeing people trying to rush and 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 fight to get on this plane to yeah. see that my, my cousin was a flight attendant and she bumped one whole other family off and got us on. Like yeah. And then to see how my mother navigated from Liberia to Amsterdam to London with no cell phone. Yeah. Not knowing anything, just knowing she had to get herself and her three children to America where yeah. her family was supposed to be safe. Not knowing where her husband was with no yeah. cell phones, like no yeah. cell phones. Yeah. yeah, just to navigate all this stuff and just even through that whole time, I never saw my mother cry. I saw my mother pray a lot, but I never saw my mom cry. Mm. And just me realizing that I, as the oldest, I had to, you know what? Let me let me keep my my younger siblings occupied so my mother yeah. doesn't have to. Yeah, yeah. You know, just things like that, and just being aware, but. That definitely, I want to say that's probably the one experience I can always go back to that has given me something to be like, you know what? I survived a war. Mm -hmm. I survived a war as somebody in the sixth, seventh grade, you know, mm -hmm. and I became fearless at that point. Well, I think I was fearless. And, <laughs> you know, I think I was, I think I was okay, yeah. but. You know, that was one thing, but I definitely think, I definitely think things that happen in your life, yeah. they're either going to make you stronger or they're going to crush yeah. you. It depends yeah. on what you let it do to you. That's so good, Kiara. And I'm just going to share for the audience real quickly. So in like, in, for our home country, it's Liberia, 1990 had a war that really disrupted the entire country. So it's almost as if you're living your life as usual, almost like COVID, but this was a war that disrupted it, that disrupted all systems. And as she shared, some people pretty much had to just flee with a backpack because, you know, people were coming to do harm. And so you really didn't know where they were coming from. You know what could happen to you. All you knew, you had to go. And some people were able to leave by plane. Some people had to walk for miles and miles and miles. You know, so it was just a really, really tough time. And um, Kiara, honestly, sometimes I look back as a wife and a mom now to think how some of our parents navigated being somewhere. They seen this was 1990, so we're not talking about cell phone, but to be somewhere... Yeah a country where you don't know the system, you're not familiar with the system, you have children, you're not quite sure 
what could happen. You let people back there. So you have guilt with that, you know, and you, you're trying to just find a safe place. And a lot of families are separated. Some wives came, the mm -hmm. husband stayed, some children came, the, their siblings stayed. So a lot of people are separated to, to be in that space, to, to still be to take care of your family, keep your mind straight, you know, so you don't lose it for your children. That's not a small thing to do, you know? And no, so yeah. many of us were younger, you know, when the war happened in 1990, but to think of so many women, your mother, my mother, other mothers who are able to keep it together and say, I have got to get my child somewhere safe and be mm -hmm. provide a foundation for them. That's, that's not a small thing. I, I, I definitely agree with you that that Liberian war, it really shaped us in ways that we, we cannot even begin to, to, to describe. And for years, decades past, I mean, today yeah. it happened over what, 30, 40 years ago. And we still, mm -hmm have key memories and understand the impact it had. It, it was not mm -hmm. just something you can say, oh yeah, I forgot about it, but it's something that most of us would carry with us, you know? So Right, and that's part of that trauma that people don't remember. You you try to compartmentalize certain things so you can just keep moving forward, but sometimes you're sitting still and you're like, oh my God, this happened to me, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And it, yeah, it was, it was very... It was very impactful. It also made me see how very fragile life is. Like life is yes. very fragile. Yeah. You know, people take yeah. so much stuff for granted. Like, you yeah. know, yeah. so much stuff. And it also life yeah. is hard. You gotta survive. Because even for 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 us that made it out, think about the children who had to become children soldiers and be things yeah. they were going to be so they could survive. Yeah. Think about the, the people that were left, but the the small women and children that were left behind yeah. that had to endure. Yeah. yeah what it was like and do whatever they had to yeah. whatever they had to do to survive yeah yeah and you think about stuff like that and those things yeah. that's what i'm saying you know different events they either they either build you to be yeah. a different person or they crush you and yeah i hate to say that but yeah that's, that's no it's just the it's, situation it's true and, and those are things that I mean, nobody saw the war coming. You know what I mean? Nobody saw COVID coming. There's certain things you don't see coming. And you kind of get in it, in it. Oh yeah, this is my life. And you you just don't know. We, we wake up in the morning. You assume that you'll make that appointment or you'll get that package out for your business, but you don't know what lies ahead. And so like you see the fragility of life that nothing is promised. You know, I mean, for me, just as believers that we know nothing is promised. You can't just assume that, oh yeah, I got this. I got my appointment. I will do this and that meeting. I mean, like you shared the opportunity you had, every, everything changed. COVID came, everything was different. You can't prepare for stuff like that, you know? No. And, and nor do you, if you sit there like, but I got to do so and so and so. And it's like, that's part of the experience to know like, it's not going to be the way I thought it was going to be. I, I need to release this and figure a new game plan out because it's not happening the way I thought it would. You know what I mean? And if you get stuck in trying to figure out, uh, make it go a certain way, it, it, it's tough for you because you have to release and let it go and just say, you know yeah. what? It wasn't the way I thought it was, but what can I do now? You know, what can I do now? That's good, Kiata. Thanks for reminding me about the war for COVID and the, the Liberian war. That's that not, nothing small. Yeah, man. Small. I mean, those are things that, that, I definitely always keep in my mind those are things I definitely tell my children about. Oh, you know, yeah. I mean, definitely because again, even though they've never been to Liberia, my goal is one day to take them home so they can see, you know, see daddy yeah. play, yeah, these things, and understand their mother and what drives their mother. Yeah, and that inspires them to 
do these things and see these communities and see, yeah. you know, just, just to see what it is and you can take it to the next level and make it even yeah. better. Yeah. 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 For your kids, any of them seem to be, uh, are they both creatives or are they both kind of like, are they kind of following your footsteps a little bit? I know this is a little bit off, but I just think when you say no, it. I love it. I love <laughs> stuff that's off the cuff. I love it. I'm here for it. So my daughter, James, um, she's actually named after my father and my brother. Her name is James Kai. She's named after my, um, my, my dad, Big Jim, and my brother, James, and my, and also my uncle Kai Pai. But anyway, mm-hmm. she is 21. She has always been kind of a stylish kid. She's been very smart, but she, she is definitely a creative. She's a writer. She writes, she reads, Yay. yes. <laughs> Um, funny thing is, but during COVID, she taught her because they all, they all had to stay home and she was a COVID graduate. She taught herself how to knit. So now she has her own Etsy store and she's been selling scarves. I said the girl selling seventy five dollars scarves. She she can knit the whole thing. She can put a new show inside. I am just wow. now at 45 trying to figure out how to price myself for people because there's the, the price for the stranger and then the price for the friend and my daughter's like no I'm sorry I spent 10 hours on this scarf it's gonna cost you this and I'm sitting here like that's wow that's good and then that's good. When my 18 year old son, he just started at Georgia State. He is the he's a logical kid. Like Glenn has to, if it doesn't make sense, mm-hmm. he got plenty of questions. He always got questions. And one thing I love about my son, he was like, Mom, I have a question. <laughs> like he literally had it, he has to see all the things for yeah. it to make sense. So yeah. I don't say he's necessarily a creative, but mm-hmm. he's definitely somebody you need to help you rationalize because you know sometimes that's creative like oh I can do this 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 oh yes oh yes the ideas are popping (laughs) right and then either your husband your your somebody will be like but how are we going to do this because this has to make you know (laughs) there's a reality we need to talk about (laughs) right he's the one to talk you through it so but they are just these I sometimes wonder whose children these are I'm like I don't I don't know how y'all got like this because I know I have been well, they have an amazing mom. They have an amazing mom. So that's 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 awesome. So Kiara, tell me, what do you love most about being an entrepreneur and what's the toughest part about being an entrepreneur? So I love the most thing about being an entrepreneur is that I work for myself to mm-hmm. serve people. For the most part, I do what I want. And, you know, I don't have any... I can do what I want. I can say what I want. I can be what I want. I can serve what I want. I can, it's mine. The hard part of being an entrepreneur is that you're always an entrepreneur. Like if something, like if a fire started in the garden right now, I would have, I would have to close this computer and go see what's going on. Like there's no, it's all me. Yeah, yeah. It's liberating and it's exciting, but it's also exhausting because you're always working. Like, you always, and even when you put people in teams, because I have a staff, I have a board of directors, mm-hmm. I have garden members that we hire out for stuff. So I have a whole machine. But if this thing goes down in flames, it's me. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. but it's a risk that I'm willing to take because I think that it's worth it. And I think I'm putting systems in place 
to kind of, I'm putting systems in place now with my education and going to, you know, be around certain people to get more education and more understanding so Mm -hmm. I can set this up so it runs on autopilot. So I can be more of a face of the brand and leave a legacy because the mission of a sip of paradise garden is bigger than me. And my dream is for it to outlive me and keep going because there are always going to be people in service and hospitality. You're always going to need some kind of sustainability plans for themselves with food, with job, with money, with education. You know, you're always going to need these things. And my dream is to make sure this thing just keeps going and continues to take care of everyone that take care of so many people yeah. and to grow it outside of Atlanta, to grow it outside of the United States, to take it back home to Liberia. Like I want to globally take over the world wow. one garden at a time. I know it sounds real crazy. But <laughs> say it out loud. And I told my son, that was like, it sounds so crazy to say that I want to take over the world. He was like, no, I think if you plan it right, you can do it. Like, oh. okay. All right. No, but I like that, Kiata, that I guess as a creative, you balance being present right now and and liking, you know, not being so, look, going too far ahead, but to understand your perspective is global, that you do have to understand that, that so when you make decisions presently for your business, you know that it's not about the impact just here in the city of Atlanta, that you want to go beyond Atlanta, you know, beyond the states, beyond even to back home to our country, that to balance that perspective, you know what I mean? That yes, on the one hand, you don't want to run so far and get yourself stressed out about the future, but at the same time, it's about having a perspective that this business mm-hmm. I created here, what is the what do I desire for the impact to be? And if I if I understand that, I'm moving towards that goal. You know, I can't just deal it bread today, 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 today. You know, you're not gonna you're not gonna move out with that perspective. You know, so I like I like you balancing both that. These are the current demands I have. I got to take care of it on a daily basis, but then I don't want to just stay here. I have to have that perspective that I want to move. I want to move exactly. forward. Exactly. Exactly. That's good. Well, Kiara, you shared lots and lots of gems. I'm just going to just give you what we call an open mic. So if there's anything on this topic that maybe you didn't get to share, you would like to share. I'm going to give you, give you opportunity to share before we close. So anything that maybe you didn't share about overcoming challenges as a maker that you would like to, to share with our audience? I think some of the things that I have learned, and I think either, especially being an entrepreneur, is that you have to keep your circle tight. Like you have to have some kind of circle. Like I know I do a lot of work for others. And sometimes I get so caught up taking on other people's stuff that I forget that I am part of why I started this. So I have to keep my circle tight. My spiritual circle is tight. Mm-hmm. My friend circle is tight. Yeah. My family circle, you know, you have to keep the things that keep you going. Yeah. And yeah. you also have to have grace with yourself and be gentle. Yeah. I can't stress that enough because, you know, so many, especially having African parents. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Forget it. <laughs> <laughs> That's, you know, not getting grace over here. <laughs> right. Oh goodness. And just you just have to forgive yourself sometimes yeah. and sometimes it's okay. Like when I first started doing this and got so involved and just because I was building so much momentum, I would be stressing, sitting at two o'clock in the morning, sending emails. And my husband looked at me one day, he was like, Nobody's gonna read that thing until probably the next few days. <laughs> Nobody reads those. Emails. <laughs> like, what are you doing? You know, just 
take yeah. care of yourself because if you're yeah. not if you the, the the vessel that's leading this whole thing yeah. if you are not well yeah. everything around you will crumble so you have that's to make so sure you and it's not selfish to think that it really took me until probably the last few years to know that yeah. it's not selfish to to be like you know what I'm gonna close this computer yeah. I, I'm good yeah yeah. You know what? I'm gonna spend two hours watching something, some stupid Nollywood yeah. movie, just to yeah. laugh. But just you know? mindless, mindless something. It's mindless stuff yeah. because your mind is constantly going. Yeah, and yeah. it's okay to not know all the answers. Yeah. It is yeah. okay. That's yeah. why you surround yourself with people who know stuff. Like, trust yeah. me, I'll be the first one to tell you. You know what? I don't know about that, but you know, I know somebody <laughs> does. Let me call them right now. Yeah, no, that's you good, know? Kiara. That's so good. That's good. I, I, for me, it took me a while to understand that too, because I'm a doer. I kind of, I charge hard. I go hard. The day starts. It's time to get stuff done. It's time to go. It's time to do stuff. You are the oldest in your family, so you leave. Yeah, you you know, you go, you go, you go, and Mm -hmm. like you said, for African parents, for African homes, but you stop for a minute. And some of it, I mean, I'm gonna give a little more credit to COVID because I, I feel like I, I know it now more than before. You know, as you get older, you understand these things because as you have kids, you want to be here for, you want to be, I mean, you want to be here, of course, period, but you want to be here for your kids. You don't want to hurt yourself from choices you've made to run your mm-hmm. own self into the ground for, for something that, like you say, I mean, you know, trying to say, I was like, oh, I got to get this email. I was like, well, who's reading the email? <laughs> I've been that done that. It's like, nobody, nobody's reading that. They're going to wake up at eight and it'll be fine. And sometimes you learn the things you're like, oh my gosh, that seems like such an emergency. Nobody even cares. Nobody. Nobody. Child, <laughs> my husband gets me together all the time. I used to think he was so mean to me. I'm like, why are you so mean? You don't, you don't understand my life. Let me like, look, girl, is he home? <laughs> I think I think my husband, me, my husband, because my husband is just like that. My husband is just um he will take care of himself. It's like, you know what? I'm gonna go ride my bike. <laughs> I'm right. going to go relax myself because I feel like you, see, you have to take care of yourself. You know, some of the mm-hmm. things that we think is so important in the big scheme of things, it's like there's nothing more important than you. You know, you mm-hmm. know, there's no other mother to your children. There's no other wife to your husband. I mean, there, there's no other sister to your to your sisters. You can't, they, you are irreplaceable. And it's like, Lord, right. let me go through my day understanding that I am irreplaceable and that that mm-hmm. there's worth and value to me that these things are important, but it's no more important than the whole me as a person. Because mm-hmm. if you as a person go down, everything goes down. You know, the right. house goes down, the business goes right. down. And many people who are, you may not even know they're depending on you or they're looking at you. You may not even know it, that, that the mm-hmm. impact is huge. So it's like, you got to take care of yourself. <laughs> take a break go to sleep take a nap something. get a massage <laughs> and also one thing I, I one thing and I'm, I'm sure you and the ladies know this too when you support other people and you advocate for people the people you support and, and you're doing anything for they will protect you like let somebody come to and try to shut down y'all market all of y'all people will come there and oh yeah them. so one thing for me I've, I've started to notice I haven't even had to open my mouth because a lot of times my members got everything covered and yeah. they'll show up I'm like oh y'all you know one of my members to me that day she was like look I need you to stop looking like the help I need you to look like the boss because I'm coming there with jeans on trying to get dirty with them they're like no 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 Oh, <laughs> you need to look like you in charge. You don't need to look like the help. Got you. Like, oh. okay. got you. That's funny. 
Kiara, thanks you so much for coming and for sharing with us. Can you tell our audience where can they find you? Where can they find you? Absolutely. So if you're looking for me on social media, um, I have two handles. My personal one is pictures and cocktails. Um, I still do cocktails. I still travel as a mixologist and spirit educator, do tastings, all kinds of wonderful fun events um, for the garden, which is a bartender's hospitality community garden. It is called the Sip of Paradise Garden. We have wellness activities and tons of education that is open to the public, even though we do serve the hospitality community. So any Monday, weather pending in Atlanta, 11 a.m., you can come and sit in on the session. Like this session, this, this Monday we had yoga. Next week, I believe we're having meditation. Like we have different things to get mm -hmm. your mind right. And mm -hmm. we just want to continue to engage our community and continue to serve. So yeah, check me out. That's good. I don't want to be like my husband. My husband will be like, you can Google me, but that sounds like such a rude <laughs> thing to say. Oh, <laughs> I wish you him to hear him. It's the worst. You know, just Google my wife. Don't do that. Don't talk about that. That's terrible. Because like, these are the places I'm at, okay? <laughs> right. That's but yeah. That for sharing and for our cast heavy audience please go out um for um podcast audience support she's right in the local atlanta air doing great things you guys have all heard it you know what she is doing you know what she stands for uh, we're just grateful to have you kiata so thanks for coming on um audience you know again this is the end of another great episode of the handmade business diary podcast you can find us on instagram find us on facebook um just check us out we're all over the place jump in hope you'll sign up for our newsletter so you'll get first bits of information on all that we do thank you for being here for another episode till we see you again bye